Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. People would separate their life for Christ and their so-called secular life. Now, when God came to live in me, this body became His. I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. So we're in our bodies 24-7. And don't be fooled into trying to say, well, Monday through Friday is kind of my deal in my body, and, well, Saturday and maybe a small group night on Tuesday is when I give it to God. No, 100% of my time at home, at work, at play are to be lived to please God. If this world were all there is, it would be tragic beyond description. For now you live in a world of death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Pastor Mark tells us that the best part of your life lies ahead, stored up for you in heaven, awaiting your arrival. This is true for all Christians, both young and old. As you grow older and deal with sickness, you may feel as if your life is closing in on you. Or you may be a young person who just feels that this world is empty and offers no hope. But there's always hope that's found in Jesus. May this hope help you endure until Jesus returns. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 10, with part two of our message entitled, how to live while the world is ending. And the Bible tells us in a number of places, we were not appointed unto wrath. So God's going to take us up. We're going to go up to heaven. The seven-year tribulation begins. It's God's wrath. One half of the world's population is going to be killed during those seven years. Out of that seven years from last week, remember... The Antichrist is going to arise. This man that's going to take the whole world under control. One world government, one world religion. And as he does that, there's a one world finance everywhere. He's going to do that. In the middle, the Jews are going to go, wow, because he allows them to rebuild the temple. And then in the middle of that seven years, we enter the great tribulation. It's when the Antichrist comes into the rebuilt temple and stops the sacrifices to the Jews, for the Jewish people and says, Worship me! We heard Jonathan speak about it. The Jews are going to realize they've been deceived. Well, we miss all that. At the end of that, we're coming back in the second coming. Second coming, that's true. Then we begin a thousand years of peace on this earth. Now, look at the rapture. When I go to heaven... I'm going to appear, you see a little something at the top, the rewarding of believers. The reward. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let me read this to you. You can write it down if you need to. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him in things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, this judgment, like 
the other judgment. The unbelievers will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. They're going to be at the great white throne judgment. This judgment has nothing to do with our sins. As a Christian, my sins have already been paid for by Jesus on the cross. Could I hear an amen? I'm not going to have to give a response. They've already been paid for and forgiven. The cross is where my sins were taken care of. Well, Pastor Mark, what, what am I going to do with the judgment seat of Christ then? Well, this is where God's going to review your life. And there's going to be wards. And God is interested, see, in what you do for him. Each of us, think about this, we're a steward. We handle his property. Everything you have is his. And I'm a servant. I'm a steward, so I'm going to be judged in how I did that. And I'm a servant, how, how I serve. We will give an account. Now listen, so don't be discouraged. We will give an account of how we used our time, our talents, our opportunities, our resources, our spiritual gift. But not just how I used all those things. Only God knows our motives. So I'm going to be judged on my motive. Did I do it? In a right way. Now, watch this. Look at Romans 4.10. It's pretty specific. There's a judgment coming. You don't have to worry about it. Now, when you were in college, you probably heard a professor say this. There'll be some, there'll be some surprise quizzes. How many like surprise quizzes? I hated surprise quizzes. Now, if I knew there's a midterm and a final, okay, I can study for them. Amen? I know it's coming. Hello! There's a day coming. When you're going to stand before God, you got plenty of study time right now. Get yourself ready. Pastor Mark, I don't think that's really going to happen. Watch what Paul says. For we will all, Christians, stand before God's judgment seat. So then, each of us will give an account of his wife to God. That ain't going to happen. You're going to stand, think about this, before God. And you're going to give an account of how you used your time, your resources, your finances, your gifting, your abilities, your opportunities. Did you do it with excellence? Did you do it with the right motive? Okay, Pastor Mark, I guess I better start tithing. I'll tithe, start it. Thanks a lot for forcing it on me. I'll give to God. Forget it. Totally wasted money. He doesn't need it. Well, I guess I better go on a mission trip then so I can serve God. We don't want you on the mission trip. Wrong what? Motive. Wrong motive. You mean God caring about my motives? Well, sure, out of the heart. So what does that look like? Is it something I need to be afraid of? Notice what John says. I want to be confident in unashamed I don't, I don't want to stand before God and go, well, I really, I really wasted my life. Why would you want that to be said of you? So let me show you how that's going to work and, and challenge you this morning. When God designed you, he designed you right over here. Take a look at my hand. This is the potential God has designed in your life for all the kind of things. The talents he's given you, the money he's given you, the resources he's given you, the possessions he's given you. Here's the potential God has for you. Now, what God's going to judge us on is the gap between my potential and what I accomplished. Now that you know you're going to be giving an account to God, it would be good to get busy. 
you'll see later, about the work of the Father. And make that gap between what he designed you to do and what you actually accomplished small. See, because when we get there, those who have been faithful are going to give rewards. Those who have not been faithful will lose rewards. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3 says, if I did it with the wrong motive, if I didn't do much, it's, it's just wood, hand, stubble. It's all burned up. And I just scooted into heaven. So you, you want to be confident when you stand before God. John says, and the only way that can really happen is not by coming to church. It's by maintaining your personal relationship with God. Because when I maintain that relationship with God, you'll see later in the teaching, Jesus says, I must be about my Father's business. That's why we're here. We're not here to discover my path to what I want in life. I'm here to discover, as the Lord's Prayer says, may his will in heaven be done on earth. So your challenge this morning in that area of your life. Now, John goes on. Look at verse 29. Verse 29 starts with if. It can also be said since. Since you know that he is righteous, God, you know that everyone who does what is right has really been born of him. One day, Jesus came to a very religious man. Actually, the very religious man came to Jesus. Nicodemus. We call it Nick at night. He came to Jesus and he was very religious, and he asked an amazing question. He said, I go to church every week. I've been going to church for 43 years. Jesus didn't even talk about it. He said, how do I enter the kingdom of God? Here's what Jesus said. You must be born again. Had nothing to do with his religion. God is not into religion. It's a personal relationship. So notice what John is saying here. The first key that we see in all of 1 John is this, that when you finish reading this book, John wrote it for one reason, so that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're really a Christian, that you can prove in your life by these things John gives us that absolutely you're going to stand before God. Remember, Jesus Christ didn't just come to save us. He came to change us. You remember, when you think about that, that means that God didn't come just to patch up a couple places in my life. Born again. A whole new way of living. So John says, right belief will lead to right living. What does verse 29 really say to us? Here it is, third key. Write it down this morning. Continue to live right, righteously, like Jesus. You remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We learned earlier in this very chapter, whoever claims to live in him must walk, must have a lifestyle as Jesus did. So John reminds us that being born again is proved by one thing, a changed life. No root, no fruit. Being born again means we'll be living in that right relationship with God, producing a holy, productive life. It will have changed me. I will be like God. I'll be living correctly. I'll be useful. I'll be giving of my tithes and offerings. I'll be giving of my time. I'll be sharing the gospel. I'll be a positive person. None of that is perfect, but my lifestyle is going to show that I'm connected in that relationship. Now remember, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 10. 
We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to this. So that each one may receive what is due him. Listen. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. God is going to be judging, evaluating us on all the things we've done in this body. How much time do you spend on earth in your body? Like, that wasn't a hard question. I, I, I mean, he said, well, Pastor Mark, I have out-of-body out of experiences. We'll deal with you later over here, some crazy stuff. How, how much time do you spend in your body? All of it. So I'm going to be judged for what I've done in my body. Here's the problem. For many years, it was a very confusing thing. People would separate their life for Christ and their so-called secular life. Now, when God came to live in me, this body became his. I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. So we're in our bodies 24-7. And don't be fooled into trying to say, well, Monday through Friday is kind of my deal in my body. And, well, Saturday and maybe a small group night on Tuesday is when I give it to God. No, 100% of my time at home, at work, at play are to be lived to please God. Hey, I'm not going to be judged by secular kind of things there is no such thing i'm to live for christ my lifestyle should look live for christ it, it should look like him i'll never be perfect but i'm going to be growing to be more and more like him now john got so excited look at chapter 3 verse 1 watch what he says how great is the love the father god has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And look what he does at the next part of the statement. And that is what we are. That's what we are. So here's the fourth thing you want to write. Remember, you are, if you're a Christian, a child of God. Well, Pastor Mark, so what? So please, your father. How did we become believers? John 1.12, you see it. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in name, he gave the right to become sons and daughters, children of God. Why? Because of his amazing love. This verse clearly tells us that we didn't become a believer by good works. You didn't become a Christian because you belonged to some religious organization. By the way, the next verse, we don't have time this morning, goes on and says, it's not of man. You and I didn't become a believer because our parents were a believer. You heard me this morning in the baby dedications. That child, those two young girls, must accept Jesus Christ personally. But we can help them by modeling Jesus. Now understand, it's the grace of God that saved us. John emphasized that we are God's children right now. Sometimes we forget that. Would you this morning with a smile on your face, just turn to your, your neighbor and say this, I'm a child of God right now. I'm a child of God right now. Would you do that at all our campuses? Is that like a good thing? I I'm a child of God right now. I have a father, the Bible says, that loves to give good gifts to his kids. But he didn't just save us, he adopted us, the scripture says, and he put us into the family of God. We are family. Would you just turn to the neighbor now? Uh, now you're going to have to look at him, and you're going to have to say this, we're in the same family. <laughs> Would you just say that right now? 
We're in the same. How many want to change roles right now? You want? I'm not really too interested in that person. No, you're going to be with them in heaven, so you might as well get used to it. When we get to the book of Acts, what do we hear in the book of Acts? Together, together, together. Guys, we're family this morning. That's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. By the way, I talked about this last night. In heaven, we're going to be family. In heaven, there's no marriage. I just leave that alone and just continue to move on there. I just cheese you with that because that's true. We'll see what happens. All right. So remember the statement I made to you this morning? Since we're children of God, what's my responsibility to please the Father? When Jesus was here, he would say this. I didn't come to do my will. I came to do the will of my Father. Let me, let me read you Luke 2.49. Listen. Jesus said this one day. Do you not know that I must be about my Father's business? May I have you kindly look at me in the eyes this morning? And I'm reminding myself all over campuses, you're not here to do your business. We're here to do his business. Now, it doesn't mean we can't enjoy family and friends and time. Absolutely. But bottom line, I'm not here to do my thing. I'm here to do his thing. And when you begin to see that, that will make you confident at the judgment seat of Christ. Pastor Mark, why did you tell us that today? Because John tells us that. You don't want to appear at the judgment seat of Christ and go like, well, like nobody told me I was going to be like accountable. We don't like that word accountable. We're all going to be accountable. So it's a privilege and a responsibility. Now, what was the business that Jesus was in? Well, of course, going to the cross. Of course, making disciples. But the bottom line business that Jesus is in is in this verse. Take a look. One day, Jesus simply made this statement. For the Son of Man, Jesus, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Seek in order to find, to go after. Who did Jesus seek? The lost. Those who do not know God and those who are not children of God. Why did he come to seek them? Because he knew they would perish if they didn't become a child of God. Now look at 1 John 3, 1, the last part of the verse. Look at me. Viera here in Melbourne, those of you watching, watch this. The reason the world does not know us as Christians is that it did not know him. John says the world doesn't know God. That's why our mission to go to the world. I want to remind you this morning that we're the church of Jesus Christ. And he left us here to go and change our world, starting in Melbourne and in Vieira and Sebastian area. This is our starting place. And we're going to fulfill that mission. We're supposed to go to a world that doesn't know they can have a personal relationship with God. I can tell you after like 50-some years of ministry, that's the number one confusing thing to people. I have more people over the last 50 years say to me, I was in church all my life. I never knew I could have a personal relationship with God. I never knew I could talk with him. He would speak to me. I never knew I could praise him from the bottom of my heart by myself. I never knew that. I thought it was just form and ritual. No, the world simply doesn't know. They don't know that God loves them. They see all of these things happening in the world. If you watched yesterday, I watched CNN just before I came to church last night. The, the announcer said this, I have four top news stories. Murders, 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 murders all over the country. Let me pick one to start. We go to Oklahoma, what do we see? 
And see, the world goes, that's God. That was, that's never God. That's Satan. God never designed the world to be filled with pain. Now, understand also, the world doesn't have any hope. It doesn't have any eternal hope at all. It doesn't even want to think about the end. It doesn't want to think about death. Because they don't simply know that they can be a child of God. Let me remind you something very important today. CCM and all of our campuses are not about what happens within the walls of this building. The problem we have in the church per se, not as much here, but we do still have it, is that many Christ followers are takers. They have a consumer mentality. They walk into our churches, and it may be you this morning. I'm going to challenge you. They walk into our churches and hear what they say. What do you have for me today? Is the choir going to be good? Well, what do you got for me today? What's the sermon Balmer's going to give us? Is it going to be okay or not? We're not here to be consumers. We're not here to be takers. We're here to be givers. God so loved the world, he, he gave. Love is a, is a verb. So let me remind you, don't be a taker. Be a giver. Serve. Get in connected. People outside the walls are to be touched by us. We need to understand we are to infiltrate our world with the love of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you two things. And overall, this is what it means. Take a look at these two things. Write them down. Most people have this mentality in the church. Oh, come and see. Come to the church, see the music, see this short pastor, come to the church. Most people, uh, no, I'm, I'm not against inviting people to the church. But that was never the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Here it is here. Go and tell. You go and tell what God's done for you. And then you invite them to the church. Do you, do you understand this morning? You, you, you go and tell, and then you say, come on, come on with me and watch what God can do in a church service. It's not about what's happening in here only. It's really about what's happening outside the walls. And you and I have to be understanding that God's success includes something. I want to give you a, a verse, and I want you to write it down, and I want you to look at it this week. It's in the New Living Translation. You'll see it. This is the goal of our church, all of our campuses. This is what we want to have said about us. Not because it's about us, but God. Watch this, what it says. The same good news, Colossians 1.6, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. And you guys are doing that through missions and short trips and all kind of neat stuff. It is bearing fruit, notice, everywhere. What are we after in this church? Same thing Jesus was after. Changed lives. We're not after more numbers. We're not after more buildings. We're not after more money. Not interested in all that. Just We're after changed lives. Notice, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard, people have to hear that they can have hope, they can have a changed life, and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Pastor Mark tried to explain Judgment Day to us in today's message. He told us that there is a day coming where every Christian will stand before God and will be judged for how we lived our life. Did you waste away everything that God gave you, your gifts, your time, your money? Or did you live your life in such a way to please God and serve Him with everything you have? We have a choice as to how we want to live. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 6114. The title of this message is How to Live While the World is Ending. Again, today's message number is 6114, and the title of this message is How to Live While the World is Ending. Place some marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue to talk about the future of Christian life. Pastor Mark will tell us that the best is yet to come. See, when a Christ follower dies, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of a wonderful eternal life. Heaven will be a wonderful place with no pain, sorrow, or tears. In heaven, we will be made perfect like Jesus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world A new hope he is giving Lord let us hear your lessons